Howl's Moving Castle, Chapter 20, in which, in which Sophie, Sophie finds... finds further difficulty in leaving the um, castle. You know what? I, 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 that was my bed. Yep. Hey, that you know was what? my bed. We're going to leave it. We're going to leave it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're, we're owning that. What <clears> you're, you, we are going to own that mistake by leaving it there. Yep. I said we, not you. You're welcome. Midsummer day dawned. About the same moment that it did, Howell crashed in through the door with such a noise that Sophie shot up in her cubbyhole, convinced that the witch was hot on his heels. They think so much about me that they always play without me. Howell bellowed. Sophie realized that he was only trying to sing Calcifer's saucepan song and lay down again. Whereupon Howell fell over the chair and caught his foot in the stool so that it shot across the room. After that, he tried to go upstairs through the broom cupboard and then the yard. This seemed to puzzle him a little. But finally, he discovered the stairs, all except the bottom one. He fell up them on his face, and the whole castle shook. What's the matter? Sophie asked, sticking her head through the banister. Rugby club reunion. Howell replied with thick dignity. Didn't know I used to fly up the wing for my university, did you, Mrs. Nose? If you were trying to fly, you must have forgotten how. Sophie said. I was born to strange sights, said Howell. Things invisible to see, and I was just on my way to bed when you interrupted me. Now where are all... I Oh, man, that was not at all what that was supposed to say. <laughs> From the top. I know where all past years are, and I and who cleft the devil's foots. Wow. Go to bed, you fool. Calcifer said sleepily. You're drunk. Who? Me? I assure said you. Sorry. <laughs> I assure you, my friend, I am cold, cold, cone. Am I drunk? <laughs> I am cone-souled stober. <laughs> and with that, do you know where you are? You are in an endless epic. And here there be dragons. Welcome back, Wizards. ladies and gentlemen, to the final episode Whew. of Howl's... Well, not the final episode, the final chapter final episode chapter. of Howl's Moving Castle. The next episode will be live, as a matter of fact. Um, with a watch party what? and discussion we do of, that? of Howl's Moving Castle. Yes, we Wild. do. Wild. Willy day. Willy day. Yeah? Yeah. I, sure? I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where I was going with that. But. I don't either. Uh, so we, uh, we, we probably won't have the, the live episode exactly the week after this. We'll probably take a break, uh, to yes. get ready for the next book, um, which we'll announce on Twitter and Patreon. We will, uh, we'll put out a poll, see what you guys want to read with us. Um, could be any number of things really. Could be. Could be. Um, we were, we were discussing doing Dark Crystal. We were. We were discussing doing uh, his dark materials. We were. Uh, we were also uh, discussing the possibility of uh, doing, you know, any number of other books, uh, including Lord of the Rings. Yes. Probably not Harry Potter, though. Just don't get your hopes up. Definitely not Harry Potter. <laughs> at least not at the moment. Uh, he got up and stalked upstairs, feeling for the wall as if he thought it might escape him. Unless he touched it with, unless he kept in touch with it, his bedroom door did escape him. What a lie that was! Howell remarked as he walked into the wall. My shining dishonesty will be the salvation of me. He walked into the wall several more times in several different places. 
before he discovered his bedroom door and crashed his way through it. Sophie could hear him falling about and saying that his bed was dodging. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. <clears throat> He's quite, he is quite impossible. Sophie said, and she decided to leave at once. Unfortunately, the noise Howell made woke Michael up, and Percival, who was sleeping on the floor in Michael's room. Michael came downstairs saying that they were so thoroughly awake that they might as well as go out and gather flowers for the midsummer garlands while the day was still cool. Sophie was not sorry to go out into the place of flowers for one last time. There was a warm, milky haze out there, filled with scent and half-hidden colours. Sophie thumped along, testing the squashy ground with her stick, listening to the whirrings and twitters of thousands of birds, feeling truly regretful. She stroked a moist satin lily with, and fingered one of the ragged purple flowers with long, powdery stamens. She looked back at the tall black castle breasting the mist behind them. She sighed. He made it much better. Percival remarked as he put an armful of hibiscus into Michael's bloating bath. Bloating? Floating bath. What did I say? Bloating? I heard bloating, but I... Yeah, floating <coughs> bath. There you go. Who did? Said Michael. How? Said Percival. There was only bushes in, at first, and they were quite small and dry. You remember being here before? Michael asked excitedly. He had no means he had by no means given up his idea that Percival might be Prince Justin. I think I was here with the witch, Percival said doubtfully. They fetched two bath loads of flowers. Sophie noticed that when they came in the second time, Michael spun the knob over the door several times. That must have had something to do with keeping the witch out. Then, of course, there were the summer garlands to make. That took a long time. Sophie had meant to leave Michael and Percival to do that, but Michael was too busy asking Percival cunning questions, and Percival was so very slow at the work. Sophie knew that uh, knew what made Michael excited. There was a sort of air about Percival as if he expected something to happen soon. It made Sophie wonder just how much in the power of the witch he still was. I have a quick point to make. Yeah. This is not the last chapter. It's not? Nope. <laughs> is there another chapter after this one? There's 21, yeah. There's, there's one more chapter. <laughs> okay, so ignore everything we said up at the beginning I was just I, hold on, I, just, I was like I was listening to what was happening I was like this doesn't feel like we're about to end like there feels like like because I know there's more like I know there's more about to happen <laughs> and I'm just like there's no way that they're because they, we're what we're four pages in roughly yeah I was like there's no way that we're fitting an entire end of a book into this chapter this, this doesn't make <laughs> sense to me that's it just, would have to be a 20 page chapter dude, which it's, would be it's unprecedented. just crazy that I was like, there's no way, and it's not. This isn't the last chapter. We were totally wrong. There's one more. Great. We're so good at our jobs. Mm -hmm. like, it's a good thing we do this for a living. Um, oh, yeah. Let's uh, let's get back into it. Sorry, I just wanted to put that <laughs> out and make sure everybody knew how wrong we were. Any thoughts she might have had about staying and helping Howl against the witch vanished. Howl, who had made all the garlands just by waving his hand, who could have made all the garlands just by waving his hand, was snoring so loudly... She could hear him through in the shop. They were so long making the garlands that it was time to open the shop before they had finished. Michael fetched them bread and honey they ate while they dealt with the tremendous first rush of customers. Although Midsummer Day, in the way of holidays, had turned out to be a grey and chilly day in the market shipping, Half the town came, dressed in fine holiday clothes, to buy flowers, garlands, and garlands for the festival. There was the usual jostling crowd out in the street, 
So many people came into the shop that it was getting on for midday before Sophie finally stole away upstairs and through the broom cupboard. They had taken so much money, Sophie thought, as she stole about packing up some food and her old clothes in a bundle, that Michael's hoard under the hearthstone would be ten times the size. Have you come to talk to me? Asked Calstifer. In a moment. Oh, uh, that, was, that was a weird Sophie. Sophie said, crossing the room with her bundle <coughs> behind her back. She did not want Calcifer raising an outcry about that contract. She stretched out her hand to unhook her stick from the chair, and somebody knocked at the door. Sophie, stuck, with her hand stretched out, looking inquiringly at Calcifer. It's the mansion door, said Calcifer. Flesh and blood and harmless. The knocking came again. This always happened when I tried to leave, Sophie thought. She turned the knob orange down and opened the door. There was a carriage in the drive beyond the statues, pulled by a good fish pair of horses. Sophie could see it round the edges of the very footman who had been doing the knocking. Mrs. Satchel Everell Smith to call upon the new occupants said the footman. He was very awkward, Sophie thought. It was the result of Hal's new paint and curtains. We're not at her. She began, but Mrs. Satchevel, Satch Everell, Smith, yeah, swept the footman aside and came in. Wait with the carriage, Theobald. She said to the footman as she sailed past Sophie, oh, folding her parasol. <laughs> it was Fanny. It was Fanny. It was, in fact, Fanny. Fanny looking wonderfully <clears throat> prosperous in cream silk. She was wearing a cream silk hat trimmed with roses, which Sophie remembered only too well. She remembered what she had said to that hat as she trimmed it. You're going to have to marry to money. And it was quite clear from the look of her that Fanny had. Oh, dear. That's a weird voice. Said Fanny, looking around. There must be some mistake. This is the servants' quarters. Well, er, we're not really quite moved in yet, madam. Sophie said, and she wondered how Fanny would feel if she knew that the old hat shop was only just beyond the broom cupboards. Fanny turned around and gaped at Sophie. Sophie? She exclaimed. Oh, God. Ooh, nope, that's not right. Oh, good gracious, child. What's happened to you? You look about 90. Have you been very ill? And to Sophie's surprise, Fanny threw aside her hat and her parasol and all her grand manner and flung her arms round Sophie and wept. Oh, I didn't know what ha had happened to you. She sobbed. I went to Martha and I sent to Letty and neither of them knew. They changed places, silly girls, did you know? But nobody knew a thing about you. I've roared out still and here you are working as a servant. When you could be living in luxury on the hill with me and Mrs. Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith up on the hill with Fanny. Give me that Fanny. All right. I mean, this is a family-friendly podcast. Yeah, okay. Watch your mouth. So, <laughs> Sophie found she was crying as well. She hurriedly dropped her bundle and led Fanny to the chair. She pulled the stool up and sat beside Fanny, holding her hand. By this time, they were both laughing as well as crying. They were most powerfully glad to see one another again. It's a long story. Sophie said after Fanny had asked her six times what had happened to her. When I looked in the mirror and saw myself like this, it was such a shock that I sort of wandered away. Overwork. Fanny said wretchedly. How I've blamed myself. Not really, said Sophie. 
and you mustn't worry, because the wizard Howl took me in. Wizard Howl? Exclaimed Fanny. That wicked, wicked man. Has he done this to you? Where is he? Let me at him. She seized her parasol and became so warlike that Sophie had to hold her down. Sophie did not care to think how Howl might react if Fanny woke him up by stabbing him with her parasol. <laughs> no, no, she said. Howl has been very kind to me. And this was true, Sophie realized. Howl showed his kindness rather strangely, but considering all Sophie had done to annoy him, he had been very good to her indeed. They say he eats women alive. Fanny said, struggling to get up. Sophie held down her waving parasol. He really, he doesn't really. She said. Do listen, he's not wicked at all. There was a bit of fizz from the grate at this where Councifer was watching with some interest. He isn't. Sophie said to Calcifer as much as to Fanny. In all the time I've been here, I've not seen him work a single evil spell. Which again was true, <coughs> she knew. Then I have to believe you. Fanny said, relaxing. Though I'm sure it must be your doing if he's reformed. You always did have a way with you, Sophie. You could stop Martha's tantrums when I couldn't do a thing with her. And I always said it was thanks to you that Letty only got her own way half of the time instead of all of the time. You should have told me where you were, love. Sophie knew she should have. She had taken Martha's view of Fanny, whole and entire, when she should have known Fanny better. She was ashamed. Fanny could not wait to tell Sophie about Mr. Sach Everell Smith. She launched into a long and excited account of how she met Mr. Smith with the very week Sophie had left and married him before the week was out. Sophie watched her as she talked. Being old gave her an entirely new view of Fanny. She was a lady who was still young and pretty. She had found the hat shop as boring as Sophie did. She had stuck with it and done her best both with the shop and with three girls until Mr. Hatter died. Then she had suddenly been afraid she was just like Sophie. Old, with no reason and nothing to show for it. And then, with you not being there to pass it on to, there seemed no reason not to sell the shop. Fanny was saying when there was a clatter of feet in the broom cupboard. <coughs> Michael came through saying, We've shut the shop and look who's here. He was holding Martha's hand. Martha was thinner and fairer, almost... <coughs> excuse me. Martha was thinner and fairer and almost looked like herself again. She let go of Michael and rushed at Sophie, shouting, Sophie, you should have told me. While she flung her arms round her, then she flung her arms round Fanny, just as if she had never said all those things about her. But this was not all. Letty and Mrs. Fairfax came through the cupboard after Martha, carrying a hamper between them. And after them came Percival, who looked livelier than Sophie had ever seen him. We've come over by carrier at first light, Mrs. Fairfax said. Uh, and we've brought, bless me, it's Fanny. She dropped her end of the hamper and ran to hug Fanny. Letty dropped her end and ran to hug Sophie. I'm In be fact, honest, I there was. This. I don't either. I, if I'm being perfectly honest. In fact, there was so much general hugging and exclaiming and shouting that Sophie thought it was a marvel Howell did not wake up. But she could hear him snoring even through the shouting. I shall have to leave this evening, she thought. She was too glad to see everyone to consider going before that. Letty was very fond of Percival, while Michael carried the hamper to the bench and unpacked cold chickens and wines and honey puddings from it. Letty hung on Percival's arm like an 
in an owner-like way that Sophie could not quite approve of, and made him tell her all he remembered. Percival did not seem to mind. Letty looked so lovely that Sophie did not blame him. He just arrived and kept turning into a man and then a different dog, and insisted that he knew me. Letty said to Sophie, I knew I had never seen him before, but it didn't matter. She patted Percival's shoulder as if he were still a dog. But you had met Prince Justin? Sophie said. Oh, yes. Letty said offhandedly. Mind you, he was in disguise in a green uniform, but it was obviously him. He was so smooth and courtly. Even when he was annoyed about the finding spells, I had to make him up two lots because they would keep showing that Wizard Solomon was somewhere between us and Market Chipping. He swore that couldn't be true and that all the time I was doing them, he kept interrupting me, calling me a sweet lady in a sarcastic sort of way and asking me who I was and where my family lived and how old I was. I thought it was cheek. <laughs> I'd rather have Wizard Howl. And that sang something. <laughs> By this time, everyone was milling about, eating chicken and sipping wine. Calcifer seemed to be shy. He had gone down to green flickers and nobody seemed to notice him. Sophie wanted him to meet Letty. She tried to coax him out. Is that really the demon who has charge of Howl's life? Letty said, looking down on the green flickers rather disbelievingly. Sophie looked up to assure Letty that Calcifer was real and saw Miss Angorian standing by the door, looking shy and uncertain. Oh, do excuse me. I've come at a bad time, haven't I? Miss Angorian said. I just wanted to talk to Howl. How well... Sophie stood up, not quite sure what to do. She was ashamed of the way she had driven Miss Angorian out before. It was because she knew Howl was courting Miss Angorian. On the other hand, that did not mean she had to like her. Michael took things out of Sophie's hands by greeting Miss Angorian with a beaming smile and a shout of welcome. Howl's asleep at the moment, he said. Come in and have a glass of wine while you wait. How kind, said Miss Angorian, but it was plain that Miss Angorian was not happy. She refused wine and wandered nervously about, nibbling at a leg of chicken. The room was full of people who all knew one another very well, and she was the outsider. Fanny did not help by turning from non-stop talk with Mrs. Fairfax and saying, What peculiar clothes? Martha did not help either. She had seen how admiringly Michael greeted Miss Angorian. She went and made sure that Michael did not talk to anyone but herself and Sophie, and that he ignored Miss Angorian and went to sit on the stairs with Percival. Miss Angorian seemed rather quickly to decide that she had had enough. Sophie saw her at the door, trying to open it. She hurried over, feeling very guilty. After all, Miss Angorian had felt very strongly about Howl to have come here at all. Please don't go yet, Sophie said. I'll go and wake Howl up. Oh, no, you mustn't do that, Miss Angorian said, smiling nervously. I've got the day off, and I'm quite happy to wait. I thought I'd go and explore outside. It's rather stuffy in here with the funny green fire burning. This seemed to Sophie the perfect way to get rid of Miss Angorian without really getting rid of her. She politely opened the door for her, somehow. Maybe it had to do with the defenses Howell had asked Michael to keep up. The knob had turned round to purple down. Outside was a misty blaze of sun and drifting banks of red and purple flowers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw this word up. What are gorgeous rhododendrons? <laughs> Rhodo, 
rhododendrons. That's exactly what I said. I know. I'm trying to get it through and my brain. And it's not Miss Angorian, get Yeah, Miss Angorian <laughs> exclaimed in her huskiest and most throbbing voice. That's a weird way to explain well, it. How do you throb as a voice? Rhododendrons. Hmm. Rhododendrons? Rhododendrons. Rhododendrons. I'm so confused. Anyways, continue. I must look. She sprang eagerly down into the marshy grasses. Don't go toward the southeast. Sophie called after her. The castle was drifting off sideways. Miss Angorian buried her beautiful face in a cluster of white flowers. I won't go far at all, she said. Good gracious, Fanny said, coming up beside Sophie. Whatever happened to my carriage? Sophie explained as far as she could, but Fanny was so worried that Sophie had to turn the door orange down and open it to show the mansion drive in a much grayer day, where the footman and Fanny's coachman were sitting on the roof of the carriage, eating cold sausage and playing cards. Only then could Fanny believe that her carriage had not been mysteriously spirited away. Sophie was trying to explain without really knowing herself how one door could open on several different places, when Calcifer surged up from his logs, roaring. Howl! He roared, filling the chimney with blue flames. Howl! Howl, Jenkins! The witch has found your sister's house. Your sister's family, rather. <clears throat> there were two violent thumps overhead. Howl's bedroom door crashed, and Howl came tearing downstairs. Letty and Percival hurled out of his way. Fanny screamed faintly at the sight of him. Howl's hair was like a haystack and there was red rims around his eyes. Got me on my wink flank. Ooh, that was weird. Blaster! He shouted as he shot across the room with his black sleeves flying. I was afraid that... I was afraid she would. Thanks, Calcifer. He shoved Fanny aside and hurled open the door. Sophie heard the door bang behind Howl as she hobbled upstairs, she knew it was nosy, but she had to see what had happened. As she hobbled through Howl's bedroom, she heard everyone else following her. What? What a filthy room! Fanny exclaimed. Sophie looked out the window. It was drizzling in the neat garden. The swing was hung with drops. The, witch, the witch's wavering mane of red hair was all dewed with it. She stood leaning against the swing, tall and commanding in her red robes, beckoning and beckoning again. Howell's niece, Mary, was shuffling over the wet grass towards the witch. She did not look as if she wanted to go, but she seemed to have no choice. Behind her, Howell's nephew, Neil, was shuffling towards the witch even more slowly, glowering in his most ferocious way, and Howell's sister, Megan, was behind the two children, Sophie could see Megan's arms gesturing and Megan's mouth opening and shutting. It was clearly giving the witch a piece of her mind, but she was being drawn towards the witch too. Howell burst out onto the lawn. He had not bothered to alter his clothes. He did not bother to do any magic. He just charged straight at the witch and made a grab for Mary, but Mary was still too far away. Howell got to Mary first slung her behind him and charged on, and the witch ran. She ran like a cat with a dog after it, across the lawn and over the neat fence in a flurry of flame-colored robes with howl like a chasing dog a foot or so behind and closing. The witch vanished over the fence in a red blur. Howl went after her in a black blur with the trailing sleeves. Then the fence hid both of them from sight. I hope he catches her, said Martha. That little girl is crying. Down below, Megan put her arm around Mary and took both children indoors. There was no knowing what had happened to Howell and the witch. Letty and Percival and Martha and Michael went back downstairs. Fanny and Mrs. Fairfax were transfixed with how disgust with 
disgust of her state of Howell's bedroom. Look at those spiders, Mrs. Fairfax said. And the dust on these curtains, said Fanny. Is this, I don't know who this is. Uh, it's, it's still funny. Oh, you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Annabelle, I saw some brooms in the passage you came through. Let's grab them. Oh, said Mrs. Fairfax. Thank you. I'll pin that dress up for you, Fanny, and we'll get to work. I can't bear room with this state. Uh, Annabelle is Mrs. Hold Fairfax's on. first name. Thank you. I didn't know that. I remember hearing that. Oh, poor Howl, Sophie thought. He does love those spiders. She hovered on the stairs, wondering how to stop Mrs. Fairfax and Fanny. From downstairs, Michael called. Sophie, we're going to look around the mansion. Want to come? That seemed the ideal thing to stop the two ladies from cleaning. Sophie called to Fanny and hobbled hurriedly down the stairs. Letty and Percival were already opening the door. Letty had not listened when Sophie explained it to Fanny, and it was clear that Percival did not understand it either. Sophie saw they were opening it purple down by mistake. They got it open as Sophie hobbled across the room to put them straight. The scarecrow loomed up in the doorway against the flowers. Shut it! Sophie screamed. She saw what had happened. She had actually helped the scarecrow last night by telling it to go ten times as fast. It had simply sped to the castle entrance and tried to get in there. But Miss Angorian was out there. Sophie wondered if she was lying in the bushes in a dead faint. No, don't, she said weakly. No one was attending to her anyways. Letty's face was the color of Fanny's dress and she was clutching Martha. Percival was standing, staring, and Michael was trying to catch the skull, which was yattering its teeth so hard that it was threatening to fall off the bench and take a wine bottle with it. And the skull seemed to have a strange effect on the guitar, too. It was giving out a loud, humming twang. Nwom, harum, nwom, harum. Calcifer flamed up the chimney again. That thing is speaking. He said to Sophie. It's saying it means no harm. I think it's speaking the truth. It is waiting for your permission to come in. Certainly the scarecrow was just standing there. It was trying, it was not trying to barge in, sighed as it had before. And Calcifer must have trusted it. He had stopped the castle moving. Sophie looked at the turn-up face and the fluttering rags. It was not so frightening after all. She had once had fellow feeling, she had once had fellow feeling for it. That was, whew, that's a lot of Fs. That is. She rather suspected that she had just made it into a convenient excuse for not leaving the castle because she had really wanted to stay. Now there was no point. Sophie had to leave anyways. Howell preferred Miss Angorian. Please come in. She said a little croakingly. Um. Said the guitar. The scarecrow surged into the room with one powerful sideways hop. It stood swinging about on its one leg as if it was looking for something. The smell of flowers had brought it in with... The smell of flowers it had brought in with it did not hide its own smell of dust and rotting turnip. The skull yattered under Michael's fingers. The scarecrow spun around gladly and fell sideways toward it. Michael made one attempt to rescue the skull and then got hastily out of the way for as the scarecrow fell across the bench there came the jizzling jolt of strong magic and the skull melted into the scarecrow's turnip head. It seemed to get inside the turnip and fill it out. There was now a strong suggestion of rather 
craggy face on the turnip. The trouble was, it was on the back of the scarecrow. The scarecrow gave a wooden scramble, hopped upright, uncertainly, and then swiftly spun its body around so that the front was also under the craggy turnip face. Slowly, it eased its outstretched arms down to its side. Now I can speak. It said in a somewhat mushy voice. I may faint. Fanny announced on the stairs. Nonsense. Mrs. Fairfax said behind Fanny. The thing's only a magician's golem. It has to do what it was sent to do. We are quite harmless. Letty, all the same, looked ready to faint. But the only one who did faint was Percival. He flopped to the floor quite quietly and lay curled up as if he were asleep. Letty, in spite of her terror, ran toward him, only to back away as the scarecrow gave another hop and stood itself in front of Percival. This was one of the parts I was sent to find. It said in its mushy voice. It swung its stick until it was facing Sophie. I must thank you. It said. My skull was very far away and I ran out of strength before I reached it. I would have lain in that hedge forever if you had not come up and talked life into me. It swiveled to Mrs. Fairfax and then to Letty. I thank you both too. It said. Who sent you? What are you supposed to do? Sophie said. The scarecrow swung about uncertainly. More than this, it said. There are still parts missing. Everyone waited, most of them too shaken to speak, while the scarecrow rotated its way this way and that, seemingly thinking. What is possible a part of? Sophie said. Let it collect itself said Calcifer. No one's asking, no one's asked it to explain itself before. He suddenly stopped speaking and shrank until barely a green flame showed. Michael and Sophie exchanged alarmed glances. Then a new voice spoke out of nowhere. It was enlarged and muscle muffled as if it were speaking in a box. But it was unmistakably the voice of the witch. Michael Fisher, it said. Tell your master how that he fell for my decoy. I now have the woman called Lillian Gorian in my fortress in the waste. Tell him I will only let her go if he comes himself to fetch her. Is that clear, Michael Fisher? The scarecrow whirled round and hopped for the open door. Oh no! Uh, Michael cried out. Stop it! The witch must have sent it here, sent it so that she could get in here. Ooh. And there we have the end of the book! Because we <laughs> already said it was the end of the book, so that's the end of the book. Thank you guys so much for enjoying. We're gonna pick another book. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. We're goofs. Wow, this last chapter is so long. Is it? It says 57 minutes left in the chapter and Kindle. What? One, two, three, four. Yeah. That Hang doesn't on. make... No. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen... 16, 17, 18, That's 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, Yeah, 32 pages. That's a really long chapter. It's not longer than the last chapter. The last chapter was about that. No, the last chapter was at most 20 pages. Uh, the last chapter was more than 20 pages, sir. It's 25 pages. At most 20 pages. Yeah, these last two chapters are just pretty long. Every every other chapter has been about 20 pages, roughly. Well, it's very exciting that this is not the last episode, Ben. I so know. So we can have a very 
involved and excited discussion about how next week we're going to pick a new book. Right. <laughs> uh, so... I actually don't remember this chapter at all, but there's a lot of very interesting stuff in here that would have been super confusing in the film. Oh, absolutely. Like having yeah. all of these people show up for no apparent reason, all at the same time in the castle. Yeah, they kind of all just do come out of nowhere. Like, um, Fanny is the only one that is like, okay. like Kind of makes sense. That's yeah. fine. But yeah, everybody. Well, else well, is hang, just on, like, hang on, hang on. I would say that I would say that uh, Fanny and Martha makes sense. Letty? No, not Martha. No. Martha, because Letty, Letty at Cesare's was Martha. That's right. That's yeah. right. And the reason why she's there is because of Michael. Michael brought her. Yeah, yeah. So that okay. makes sense to me. So it's pretty much Mrs. Fairfax and Letty that are the only two that are kind of like. Well, and the fact that they all show up at the same time And Mrs. Andorian, actually, as well. Yeah, like the fact that they're all there at the same time, and then uh, Miss Angorian, completely uncharacteristically, wanders out into the waste to sniff flowers so she can be kidnapped. Yeah. Very convenient. And I think the way that Miyazaki handles this in the film is a much more elegant way of handling it than this. Yeah. Well, to be fair, you have, like, there's... This this chapter kind of... Char- there's half as many characters in the film. Right. Full acknowledgement. But this this chapter... Because I, I remember what happens in the next chapter. No. Yeah. But this chapter kind of feels like she was writing the book, and then she got to a point in her writing where she was like, Ah, uh, I gotta end this at some point. So she just kind of was like, okay, everybody shows up all at once. <laughs> and now the ending. Like, she had the ending and then the rest of the book, and she needed a transitionary period. Right, yeah. And that's like, what this yeah. was. <laughs> it definitely seems that way, for sure. I mean, because it, it's it's it, it, this is completely off par with the rest of the writing. I was like, it's probably the clunkiest part in the book. Yes, for sure. Because like even even the next chapter, which again I I remember what happens, the next chapter makes a butt ton more sense than this chapter does, and I I my brain probably omitted this chapter because it makes no sense with the rest of the book. It's very very bizarre. <laughs> like there's a lot a lot goes on in that that's just it's like almost well, I, confusing. I think that we've kept the folks long enough. Oh, so where where can where can people follow you at? Let's get the oh let's my get gosh. the housekeeping well, the, out of the way. The home address is I made that joke last time, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Shit. It's okay. It's okay. I don't think anybody listened last week, so you're That's good. you're good. Uh <laughs> yes. Uh Instagram is Ann Sean. That's A N N N S E A N. Uh TikTok. The real thick Jesus. Twitter, same. Um that's it. Yep, and of course you can follow us on Punktown TV for Twitch, for uh, lore-based games for me. Just started Horizon Zero Dawn. It's spectacular, by the way. Pretty exciting. Horizon Zero Dawn is like the lore is crazy cool. Yeah, it's even better than I than I expected it to be, and I expected it to be really cool. Yeah, yeah. Because like at at first I I was like I was like oh so it's like this like post-apocalyptic world where like the hubris of machine and computers kind of just like led to our downfall but the religion of the group in like the main group of like tribes people yeah is based around a door that has an artificial intelligence in it that recognizes dna and faces as a biometric system in it and the reason why it became their goddess the the all mother is because when people approached it, it spoke to them. <laughs> it's it's crazy, dude. Like I'm like I'm like oh my god, this is so good. Like this is yeah. such good storytelling. That's super interesting, I'm dude. Sorry, I, I I never I never yeah. would have. I'm like, based on what I had seen from from the like trailers and whatnot, yeah. I never would have even guessed. And like, if the storytelling stays on this track. Because, like, the, the way that they explain, like, the endgame, like, mechanics and whatnot in, like, in-world, spectacular. The yeah. way that the, the mechanics and the crafting and the combat works. Because, like, 
normally in the beginning of a game, it's really easy for you to get killed by enemies, right? But normally, you yeah. start out with super weak enemies to begin with, right? Like, right. You, you have the whole slime trope. Whereas in Horizon Zero Dawn, you start out with things that can one-shot you. Wow, that's ballsy. Yeah. Like, you start out with a bow and a spear, and... Uh, you can do you can do pretty decent damage to them with both the bow and the spear, and if you manage to hit them like dead in the eye for like the main bad guys, which are called Watchers, yeah. if you manage to hit them dead in the eye, you can kill them in one shot with a fully charged bow shot. But yeah, it's yeah. it's like really hard to hit them in the eye because <laughs> they yeah, move well, a lot. Yeah, they as, move as a lot as it should be though. It makes sense, right? And like if if you go if you go head to head with these bad boys. Like, they will full-on body you uh, from everywhere from level 1 to level 5. If they hit you at all, you're dead. That's You're crazy. just down. That's crazy. And what makes it worse is that if one sees you, all of the other ones in the immediate vicinity, they know where you are and will join the fight. That's cheeky. That's very cheeky. It's crazy. Anyways, you can follow us on uh, Punktown TV over on Twitch as well as on YouTube. Yeah, um, go, as well as go on Instagram. Watch the stream so you can find out more about Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, exactly that. And then, of course, you can follow me at Real Slim Jesus over on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. And then, of course, Black Dragon Tavern, all the things for lore. Um, and then, of course, if you guys follow us here, we want to take a minute to thank all of our uh, subscribers and listeners to the podcast. Um, and everybody who has reviewed us over on, uh, I think it's Stitcher and iTunes that allow reviews. Yes. Uh, you guys are spectacular, and you are uh, definitely doing the Lord's work. Heck yeah, um, much, much appreciated. Uh, Jesus smiles on everyone who listens to Endless Epic, I was told, uh, by a very facts, reliable yeah. source. Yeah. That's, that's true, that's absolutely uh, true. <laughs> and a big shout out to all of our patrons who throw a little bit of money at us every month to get the podcast. Well, you used to get it early, now you, you're lucky if you get it at all. Um, we're getting back on that uh, recording track, though. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, if you do follow us over on Patreon, you also get a little bit of, like, um, you get some lore posts as well as some exclusive blog posts. And you guys help keep all of the stuff up and running, which we certainly appreciate. So thank you guys for that. Um, but that being said, we will see you guys on Monday for Dark Tales with Geralt of Rivia and the world of the Witcher. And until then, stay bloodthirsty, my friends, and remember, all hail the Black Dragons, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Audio's up. Video's up. Penis is up. Penile is up. Penile tissue is engorged. Ready to fuck this, this shit it's up. It's a family-friendly podcast, sir. Yeah, sorry. Inappropriate. Forgot which one we were doing. It's easy to do. We do do. do yes, do. yes. We do do so many podcasts. We need to do another uh, episode of Who the Fuck Asked You because that's a great one. It is. Yeah. It is a great one. It is, Dude, it is, it is, it is crazy that we're, we're already at the end of this and we still have not seen any affections between Sophie and Howell. We've seen a lot of passion between them. Passion, yes. Affection, no. I think it's less important. <laughs> you know, it's a basis for a strong relationship is passion or something like that. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's objectively wrong. <laughs> that you couldn't you couldn't be more wrong actually.
That's like that's saying the basis for a good car is how much gas it burns. The more gas it burns, the better the car is. The better. That's just true. I don't. What? What do you? The like. You're like if your Honda Civic isn't getting three miles to the gallon, then it's what are you not a doing? good car. Yeah. Why do you even drive it? <laughs> okay. Here we go. <clears throat> a moment of silence, if you please. Um, if the if the tell you what tell you what tell you what if we ever get to ten thousand listeners in a single week, I will th- I will throw Harry Potter on the roster. That's that's reasonable. That's fair because it it would that's take fair. It would take a large group of people that I would risk pissing off. For me to read Harry Potter on this Oh, podcast. I understand. So it's not that you don't want to. It's that you want the audience to be large enough to, to anger. And yes. it creates... I, guar- I guarantee you, if if we have 10,000 listeners, 10,000 consecutive listeners... We will that after the fir- if we After, <laughs> after the first episode, it will be half of that at least. It, uh, yeah, I agree. Because it's not that I don't like Harry Potter, because I actually do think Harry Potter is a really clever world... Right. And I, I like a lot of the characters. Um, I think that Harry Potter is, for the most part, really poorly written. Um, it, it's, it's not, and it doesn't need to be well written because it was supposed to be a children's book. Correct. That's the whole thing. Right. But people praise it as a bit of literary genius, and it's, it's just, it's not. It's a fun story. It's a fun story. I agree. She, she I, had some fun balls story, fun at characters. the end. Yeah, and, and killed uh, off some characters. Spoiler killed, alert. Yeah, really? It's been 10 years since the last movie. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's been it's been more than ten years since this book and the movie. But are we spoiling something? I don't. What do you What do you mean? I don't know. I'm just. I'm just well, you said it out there you, for you said spoilers. I was like, it's it's been more than it's been more than ten years actually since the last movie. And so, no, was it 2011? But, I think it was 2011. It's been ten. But years. my my biggest issue is that she could have picked literally any other character in her book. To be her protagonist, and they would have been more interesting. Interesting. Hot take. Hot take. Her- Harry Potter as a character is just inherently not very interesting. That's fair. He also he, has too much plot armor. He has way too much plot armor for one. Like, Secondly, like he, I, I he just has recently we rewatched all the movies, and like, my god, that boy has plot armor. For days. Like all we hear about is how even the most talented of, of wizards and witches take so long to do X and X things. And like even even for Hermione, who is like a, a savant, right? Like she yeah. is she's brilliant. Harry Potter still does stuff that she can't do because he's the boy who lived. Like there's a certain level of this prophecy is your main character, not the child that it's put on. Right. Yeah. And like Seamus, Seamus, whatever they have, Seamus Finnegan would have been a more interesting protagonist. Neville Longbottom would have been a more interesting protagonist. I think uh, Neville Luna have been, Lovegood Luna Love would have been, been a more interesting protagonist. She, she should have been a, a bigger part of the stories. And I think Neville should have been a group, like a core friend not like a side character i think because he, he does he does so much in those movies and i'm like just make him a part of the group make him the quirky one like there's no quirky one I, in the look, group. look when when i talk about <laughs> harry potter and his friends i always include neville because neville is the like the pure-hearted one who they bully the hell out of mm-hmm. agreed like, agreed at, at, and Harry Potter and his friends are just as bad as Harry Potter's dad and his friends. Yes, agreed. And that, I think that's that's part of my 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 issue is that Harry doesn't he doesn't change anything from the way that his father or his mother acted in school. Like there's no and and Harry Potter doesn't have any real character growth. Like he never really grows as a character. That's true, actually. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Yeah. Whereas like, there's not a whole lot of. Ron has to learn to overcome his jealousy and and his and his envy of Harry. Like he has to learn to overcome his insecurities about you know being being poor and being less talented than everyone else in his family. Right. Like Ron has legitimate character growth throughout the series and legitimate character conflicts. 
Whereas all of Harry's stuff is like, here's a really easy domino, knock it down, and you're the hero because you stabbed the basilisk. Like, that's it. That's everything about Harry Potter. And I know people are going to get mad at that if we do do Harry Potter on this show. Because I'm going to point out, I'm going to point out everywhere in the book, I'm going to be like, this is where he's a bad character. This is where he's a bad character. This is where Ron would have been a way better protagonist. This See. is where Neville would have been a protagonist. This is where fucking what's what, friggin' what's the what's the kid's name who does the um like the announcements? Oh the oh crap yeah that kid yeah. that kid would have been yeah. a better protagonist. Okay, um. all of the other children in this story have way more intrigue and interest behind them as characters than Harry Potter does. Yeah. And as a kid who had no idea that magic magic existed, going into a world full of magic, there was plenty of opportunity to write challenge and and like learning curves and and shit for him. Like there was so much opportunity there to make him an interesting character and she just didn't do it. Right. Agreed. I and whether how, that's because I love how I love how you say <laughs> If we do this podcast, I'm going to piss a lot of people off. Don't even do the podcast. Everyone's already <laughs> if, pissed off. If, 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 she had, if she had written him with legitimate character flaws and legitimate challenges, he would have been an incredible character. Like He should have, he should have struggled agree. significantly with his homework, not just been given points because he existed. Yeah. Right? Well, I think it would have made Hermione more of a relevant character in, like, helping him. Yes. Rather than Ron and Harry constantly, like, blowing her off. Because, like, Harry doesn't struggle nearly enough with his schoolwork and adapting to the magical world, as he should. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't take a kid from the United States to Germany and have them adapt that well. You can't, you, you can't, you can't take... Yeah, I, I would guarantee you couldn't you couldn't take a kid from who's raised in Japan and take them to uh, whatever the not crazy Korea it was what North Korea South Korea the, the one where the the one where the south. dude is yeah I always get confused as well I think it's South no the one that north. doesn't the the one that's not ruled by the crazy guy or now the yeah. crazy guy's sister one, we're gonna one, get no we're gonna get deleted off of we are uh, <clears throat> or die. We yeah. should, <laughs> but but my my point is is that you couldn't take a kid from one of those places to the other with and they they adapt easily even with a, as adaptable as kids are like even a simple change between similar cultures kids don't ex- adapt well there's no way that Harry an orphan who's only ever known one thing is taught no survival skills and no ability to adapt at all who just rolls over for everything is just suddenly gonna be the fucking hero freaking hero of the story because suddenly now he knows he has magic powers like it's yeah. just not realistic at all and i'm like it's it's it's, it's a fantasy world it's not supposed to be realistic okay well your characters are unrelatable and your plot well, progression sucks so there you go there's also a lot of things that just don't make sense <laughs> yeah In the, well which we need to we need to stop because this we're literally having a harry potter <laughs> podcast right now and i could talk on this for a while, because you <laughs> take the books out of it. I know this is a book podcast, but take the books out of it. Just in the movie. No, it's a storytelling podcast. Storytelling podcast. That's a good point. Good point. Um, but we can't show people movies on the podcast, so it has to be a book podcast. Exactly. Um, but even even in like the realms of the movies, there's so many things that just don't make sense because they don't utilize certain things that absolutely they would. If they actually existed, you know, and it's like, well, but they're it's it's fake. That's not the point. They're real in this world. And like you have you have to have some level of some suspension of disbelief there where like there's just there's stuff. There's just so many things that go down where it's like use magic. Don't let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like you have nine people standing there that know magic and are proficient. They're not. And like people die all the time. Like, also, also, just I, just wanna, I just want to, I just want to, I just want to point out like the only reason why Voldemort is a bad guy is because of his willingness to use forbidden curses. Almost every wizard that he fights in the book. So, so the Elder Wand, 
and the fact that he is willing to use forbidden curses. Right. That's it. That is the only thing that makes him a bad guy. Because literally every wizard that he fights, including Hermione and Ron, are more skilled wizards than he is. Right. Right. Like, Snape could have owned his hiney all the way to the, to the bottom of Hogwarts and up through the pits of Gringotts. I will... Yeah. He could kick his ass all over the Quidditch field and then still make it home in time for tea. And this dude, like, the only, the only skilled wizard on the entirety of, of uh, Voldemort's team are we, is are we gonna, Bellatrix Lestrange. Are we going to put this at the end of the podcast? <laughs> yeah. This is a really yeah. long section to have yeah. between reading. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut okay. it out for it at the end. <laughs> Because I'm like, we're 16 minutes in, <laughs> and 12 minutes of is Harry Potter. <laughs> like, but no, even, you're, you're 100%. Even, no, you're right. There, even, there, there's so much that doesn't add up. There's so much that doesn't add up. Like Even Malfoy's parents are not like exceptional wizards. Right. No. Yeah, like, like, we, like we don't have anything to suggest... <laughs> That they are like powerful or or overtly exceptional. Like even even Malfoy's dad's wand is like not a great wand by the scale of like what makes wands great. Yeah, yeah. So no, they're like, ju- they're just purebloods and rich. Yeah, like that's it. Like it, it, it it's 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 a befuddlement to me. Like the whole the whole structure of the story because one like we don't even have like a legitimate reason why Voldemort is a bad guy. Like he his motivations are sketchy at best. Well, it's it's literally he was born that way. If you're basing it off like the backstory of him, he was mm-hmm. born bad, and then he's fulfilling his destiny. Like, yeah, his destiny to be bad, and his hate for mudbloods. Right, which. I know, I know that the parallel is supposed to be a certain event of the 1940s, but I'm like, it's such, it's such an overdone trope at this point that it's not yeah. even interesting when it enters into it. <clears throat> right. Like, and even when she wrote it, it was an overdone trope that wasn't interesting anymore. And she, she made such a cool world. And it's the same complaint I have about Martin. Like, yeah. Martin wrote such a great world and did nothing with it. Yeah, agreed. It's like it's like okay, we're gonna go like I don't know. Let's say let's say Italy or New York. Uh, we're gonna go to the, one of these places, right? And then we're gonna go eat at McDonald's, right? Like yeah. we're we're gonna go we're gonna go to we're Sicily. Gonna we're, we're gonna go to Sicily, one of the one of the greatest cuisine centers of of, of the world. We're gonna go hit we're, up we're an gonna, Applebee's. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna go we're gonna go hit up an Applebee's and get get a happy hour appetizer. Two for twenty, like, baby. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's, it, like, why bother making such a big, broad, and open world if you're not going to use any of it? Because the the reason, as a person who has zero history in writing, uh, I think it's it's they get too big, and and this is the problem with Martin's we a huge problem we had with him is that he made such awesome things and characters and didn't know how to deal with them, didn't know how yeah. to properly handle them, and I think that's what it is. Is like you create this amazing world and then like, how do you put amazing people into that world and make it make sense? Right. So, so like I, I do have some sympathy to them, but at the same time, it's like, understand that that's who you are. Like, don't come out us like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm the best. No, you are good. And like, it's enjoyable, but like one of, one of the things, one of the things that makes Tolkien, so incredible as a writer is the fact that he uses his entire world in every single story in some small facet right Right. like in in the hobbit we still get little instances of of like the the elves and the dwarves and 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 the, the the impact that dragons had on these different areas right like we get we get little bits of of all of the things in the Hobbit, and and it's and it's and it's evidentiary of the narrow scope of what Bilbo Baggins understands about the world. 
Yeah. And then in Lord of the Rings, that scope broadens out quite a bit because Frodo was raised under the stories of Bilbo, yeah. right? So he's he's got a much broader understanding of the world because of Gandalf and, and Bilbo. Yeah, so yeah. when he goes out into the world, we see so much more of it. And that journey literally takes him through all of Middle Earth. And there's there, it's just it's so much more open. And that's not to say that everything Tolkien did was perfect. But no, he made not. a huge world, and we got to see it. Yeah, and we got to see the people who lived in it. Well, and, he, and they like, were—he had a cast of characters. Like it wasn't like we had one one character to follow. And I mean, like yes, you have Bilbo, you have Frodo. That are I the wanted, main. I wanted main to characters. make a video talking about how uh, Smeagol is the main character of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, but I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm afraid people would get too mad at me. <laughs> Probably, but hey, you know what? No, well, if, that's... You, if you think about it, he is. Yeah. He is the main character of all all four books. Right. I agree. And, and, and a, a degree. I, I no, it, like, it, is, it is the story of his journey of... of of coming to terms with the His atrocities addiction. he committed oh. in name in the name of uh the yeah basically basically yeah. an addiction yeah it's his it was his it was his 12 step program right <laughs> more like a 12,000 step program yeah, into the over, into over 400 yeah, so let's years. go so back into Howl's Moving <clears throat> Castle by the way he got up <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Nice. He got up and you're welcome for that little tangent, Marcus. Yes, that has nothing yes. to do with Hell's Moving Castle. Uh, Ray, Ray, and Selena, uh, and Irewolf actually have been getting heavy into the discussions on Twitter too. You should, oh, yeah. you should be, you should get on to the the Twitter feeds so that you can. Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go dip in, check them out. I'll, well, I'll start tagging you when the podcast gets announced so that you can be involved with the. Yeah, because <laughs> I see him, I see him every once in a while. Um, but not yeah, not often yeah, 